down the road, you'd be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the ones you did. So dream, explore, say yes to life. Be inspired to live life as an exciting adventure of discovery. You are listening to the Inspire Possibility Show, and I'm your host, Mark Sussman. Everybody. Welcome. It's me, Mark Susnell. Hope you're waiting for another great show, another fascinating person. And I, what I like about these shows is that usually every week I learn something new that, that inspires me, that uh, gets me to think about things in different ways. And um, there's publicists that quite often schedules some of her her authors on my show and this person I think you're going to find very very interesting her name is Valerie Condos and I know looks like she just called in and she has an interesting background and let me ask you a question and I hope you're you're listening Val but mm-hmm. imagine this Are you there Val Yes, I am. Thank you. Okay. Keep speaking uh, into the phone. But I want to ask the listeners out there, how can, how did a professional ballerina wind up coaching seven NCAA championship winning seasons, get inducted into the UCLA Athletics Hall of Fame, and become okay. the Pac-12 2016 Gymnastics Coach of the Century? Pretty amazing, and she's before she started coaching, she never did any gymnastics. So that's kind of what intrigued me. And so, welcome, Valerie Condos, or as as people refer to you as is 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 it Miss Val? Yes, that, that's what they do. <laughs> it's a ballet okay. term, so I've been known as Miss Val. Uh huh. If you could talk a little louder, Val, that so we can. Sure. That's better. Sure. Um, I'm really excited to be on your on your show, and thank you for having me. Well, good. I'm excited too. I just think it's a very interesting concept because when the the fact that you were not a gymnast and that you hadn't done anything like that, and then you 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 um, go on to have this amazing career, that's kind of intriguing because mm-hmm. I'm I'm fairly athletic, and I know that I'm going. Wow, how did she, how did she do this? How was she able to do this? You know, let's start there. I, I get asked that a lot, and um, I actually went upside down for the first time last year for my 58th birthday. I did a cartwheel, and it was really really bad, but I did it. <laughs> I can finally say I went upside down. Um, but I think the greatest gift that I had, besides when I when I was asked to be the head coach. Um, the greatest gift that I have, besides my just enthusiasm, cons- consummate enthusiasm for wanting to learn and having a growth Val, mindset, is that I second. couldn't have an ego because I didn't know anything. Yeah. Val, if you mm-hmm. could keep talking into the phone a little louder. Yep. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. I yeah. speaking is I'm literally have my mouth on my phone. But um Okay. Okay. Um so, is that so any go better? on so about ego, about okay. not having an ego. I didn't have an ego. I couldn't have an ego because I did not know anything. So I had to ask a lot of questions. And I think that so many times people in leadership roles feel that they need to have all the answers. And I think some of the greatest leaders out there are actually the ones that ask the questions and are have no problem saying, I'm, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. And is that so? So when you first started coaching, what were you been there? How many years now at UCLA? Thirty-six. And and how how soon? Once you started coaching, when did you win your first championship? We did not win a championship for seven years, and by UCLA standards, that's quite a long time. Although it took Coach Wooden fifteen years to win his first championship. All right. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, I, I was blessed to be at a university like UCLA that can attract some of the best talent in the world. So you can't win without talent. I just had to be able to guide them in the right direction to start winning. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, so you've been doing this now for a long time and, and then you, you, you just came out with a book. Life is short. Yep. Don't wait to dance. I love that title. And tell Thank me about you. that book. Well, the book is about how did a dancer choreographer figure out how to become a very successful coach in the world of athletics and something that I'd never participated in. And um, the, a funny story, a few months before the book was published, I told my co-author that I cannot publish this book because people are going to think that they're going to glean all of this information and wisdom from a seven-time national championship gymnastics coach, and they're going to realize that I'm a total whack job because most Uh everything I do is so non-traditional to coaching. And he responded very seriously, and he said, "Miss Val, you are a whack job. That's why you have to write the book, because you give all of us permission to be ourselves and not to have to be perfect at something in order to go do that as a career. Yeah, you, you know what's interesting is I've been kind of an, uh, you know, athletics has always been a hobby of mine. I've always, ever since I've been a little kid, I've always played some sport. And I get down on myself. I miss a shot or something. Oh, Marcus, I, darn, I get that kind of stuff. And then I re- then I watch champions play, and I see them make the same mistake. And I go, whoa! Even they make mistakes like that. And, and I, I think Absolutely. it's to yeah to to learn to to realize that we make mistakes. Well, and you know the people that that keep making mistakes are the ones who coach from their egos, and. Uh, you know, you look at someone that has had, what, greatest football coaching career of all time, Bill Belichick. I'm sure he mm-hmm. has a very strong ego, and I'm sure that he's not the most easiest to be around at times. But you don't get to that position without realizing that you're not the end-all, be-all. You know, you 
he gives up some of his his um, coaching and and play calling to his his quarterback, whom he trusts. And that's right. exactly the same that I feel about our student athletes. You know, nine times out of ten, when they ask me a question, I'll say, "Well, what do you think?" And I'll throw it right back at them because they're the ones that are feeling it and and. And they're the ones that have had 15 years of training in this sport when I've coached them maybe four months, if they're a freshman. And uh, I just think that I think it's important to be very, very confident in what you do and confident in making decisions without getting your ego involved. And when the ego does get involved, that's when it becomes about you and not about the process and and. You know, in the book, I talk about my definition of coaching is motivating change. Anytime you coach someone, it's to motivate them to want change, to make a change in their lives. It's not dictating change. And I think that's a big difference in how a lot of people coach. So what you're saying is you coach them to want to make a change in their life? Well, I think that Yes, I do. <laughs> but any type uh-huh. of coaching, even if I'm coaching a gymnastic skill, my motivation is if she's falling on a, ser- a skill on balance beam and I, she's falling because her legs aren't straight when she takes off, I've got to motivate her to want to get her legs straight versus dictating, uh-huh. get your legs straight. I, it, it, you have a much better result if you motivate the person in the process. Um, but I do believe that everything we learn in sports is simply the reason why we do sports is to help us become superheroes and to have live better lives, more quality lives. Um, otherwise, all sports is, is just bragging rights. There has to be a bigger mm-hmm. end picture to this game of athletics. And so, so you would you would you would say that with athletics, the whole idea is to motivate us to not just be a great athlete or a better athlete, but a better person. Absolutely. And I believe, I believe that the gym, the field, the, wherever you practice sports is one of the greatest classrooms, the greatest classroom to learn life lessons, to learn all of those hard life lessons that you do not learn in an academic classroom. So let, let's talk about some of those because I, I'm I'm big into to life lessons. I mean, I've that's what I talk about in the work I do, and as a life coach. So what are what are some of the life lessons then that you kind of bring into the to your experience as a coach? Right. One is about be willing to make a mistake. Yes. Right. Um, understand that there's no such thing as perfection. You know, uh-huh. our sport is based on the perfect 10, but it is actually actually an illusion of perfection. So we strive for excellence. Um, I don't uh-huh. believe in, in saying that I'm going to be perfect today. All I ask of our student-athletes is to get 1% better every day. And if you can get 1% better in your intention with how you go about training – then add that up during the course of the week, and you're going to get a lot better. Um, mm-hmm. I believe that persistence, persistence that you learn in athletics is a tremendous life skill that we all need to learn. And when you play team sport, the fact that 
you are part of something greater than yourself is also extremely valuable and something that you don't necessarily learn in an academic classroom. So, so there's a, something greater than you, right? Absolutely. There's no mm-hmm. such thing as perfection. What we strive for is excellence, getting mm-hmm. better one percent a day. And um, what? Anything else that are nuggets there? Well, the, I think the biggest nugget that has always stood out to me is that um, the word failure does not exist. And when you you know, growing up, I used to hear all the time, fear of failure, fear of failure. But right. I was blessed to be raised by parents who did not raise me and, and parent me to have not only a, not a fear of failure, but not even an understanding of the word failure. I do not believe the word failure exists. And whenever I have people that question me, I will say, you know, take a goal that you want to achieve and you have done something, let's say you want to shoot a free throw and the ball doesn't go in the basket. Well, it's not failure because as soon as the ball doesn't go in the basket, your mind is saying, oh, my gosh, I should have bent my knees a little bit more. I should have followed through with a shot. I should have taken my mind and just cleared it and gone. Whatever it is that you have learned, you, if you've learned a small tidbit of something along the way, you're still learning. And how can learning ever be failure? It can't. It's not. Right. Failure, as I've said, is just another F word that some mean-spirited person made up to make us all feel badly about ourselves. Right. I, I you know, I say the same thing in a, in a book I wrote, and I, I just say there's no such thing as failure. It's kind of what you do, but I call it feedback. It's just feedback. It is. No, exactly. You're exactly right. And yeah. when, you, when you look at it that way, then you can move on much quicker. You know, the great, great, great athletes in the world don't focus on the mistake they just made. They've let it go. Right. And in a sport, in any sport, you know, I always tell my athletes when they get down on themselves, when they had a fall, and then they shut down for the rest of the routine, I'm like, you think if, if, if Peyton Manning throws a bad pass, that he's going to get down and, and have a pissy poopy attitude for the next few plays. How's that going to work out? You can't do that. I know. I, and I, I just, just think that that's a great. It's a great lesson in life to just understand it is in the past. Do not right. harbor on it. Learn from it. It, like you said, it's feedback, and definitely yes. learn from it. It's interesting during during the uh, football playoffs, you know the the, the kickers now, right? Whenever a, a kicker is going to get ready to kick a field goal at the end of the game, the other coach calls a timeout. <laughs> Sometimes right. they call two of them to, to kind right, of make the guy them. nervous and you know ice them. Yeah. And boy, what a lot, what a lot of pressure on the on the on the on the kicker. Yeah. Um, yeah, I always tell my husband, whatever situation, I always look at him and I say, I do not want to be the kicker. And he always looks at me and says, my love, I don't think they're going to be calling you to be the kicker, so don't worry about it. Yeah, I think that would be the most horrible uh, position like that. Yeah, nerve-wracking. Yeah. 
So, so what I, I'm curious about a, a couple more things is, is, is one is, um, you were in, your, in the materials your publicist sent me. It was indicated that John Wooden was your mentor. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you were you were at UCLA at the same time. Yes. Um, well, Coach had he'd already re- retired, but I uh-huh. met him when he was about eighty. And we absolutely hit it off, and we became very familial. I was like a daughter to him. Um, mm-hmm. His own daughter actually became like a second mom to me. My mom passed away many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, my husband and I enjoyed a very close, close relationship with Coach Wooden and his family. And um, I spent a lot, a lot of hours with him and uh, gleaned so much information about how to be a successful uh, coach that whose primary intention is to live a life of integrity. And, and, and would you say that's the main takeaway from your relationship with, with Coach Wooden? Was it about the integrity? The main takeaway that I got from him being around him was that he, he, he had so much integrity. And that doesn't mean, you know, integrity is not always doing the right thing at the right time. Integrity is making sure that your actions match your personal philosophy. And Coach's actions, how he lived his life, absolutely matched what his personal philosophies were. Um, the biggest aha moment I had in my life was when I truly understood his definition of success and that in his definition, he doesn't mention winning. And that was so weird to me because as coaches, we are hired to win. Like my job is to figure out how to win. But when you read coaches, simply success is peace of mind which is a direct result in knowing that you've done your best. And when I, when I got, uh, dissected that and really thought about that, success is peace of mind in knowing you have done your best. I stopped trying to be like everybody else, and I just started honing the things that I did naturally well and I just woke up every day committed to be the best me that I could be. And that is how I started becoming believable to my student-athletes. In fact, about four years after I totally changed the way I was coaching and finally just stopped trying to be like other coaches and just did me, one of my athletes came up to me and she said, "Miss Val, you have finally become a leader worth following because you are no longer trying to be somebody else. Mhm. And and so this this was a shift for you when when uh, did did he actually say that or that's your takeaway like so in other words success is being the best you you can be to know you did the best you could not winning right. or losing it's you know, when I being was, the best you When I was asked right when I was asked to be the head coach I didn't know coach wouldn't at that time um I did the only thing that I thought was prudent to do. And I studied other head coaches that were successful. And in my mind, in my paradigm, a a strong head coach was like Bobby Knight. 
Mm-hmm. So I tried to be like Bobby Knight or Pat right. Summit. Someone was just like that, that type of a strong, relentless coach. And we right. did horribly. And I was on, actually on my way to the athletic director's office to resign. And I was in a student store, and I opened one of Coach Wooden's books on leadership, and it fell open to his definition of success. And that's when I was like, whoa. And I, so I, I didn't resign. I went back to my office, and I thought, success is peace of mind in knowing I have done my best. I've been trying to be somebody else. And in that moment, I honestly realized that any time we try to be somebody else, we will always be a second-rate them. And the worst part about it is it prevents you from becoming a first-rate you. So at that moment, I just said, I'm going to do me, and I'm going to become 1% better and become the best version of me that I can be. And if I'm not successful in this career, that's okay. I'll go do something else. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I was wanted to ask you. There's a statement in in uh, that your your publicist sent me uh, to ask you about how your approach to your breast cancer diagnosis made that struggle one of the best years of your life, and that's pretty profound. And can you tell us about that? And, and absolutely. And, and why you say that? What motivated well, you to I say that? Well, I was in my I was in my car when I got the call, and my doctor said I have a very aggressive form of breast cancer. And when I hung up the phone, and now I don't know if you and your listeners will translate this as the cosmic energy or the universe speaking to me, but I translated this as God speaking. And I heard very, very clearly, be anxious for nothing and grateful for all things. And Say that I again. went home Say and that I again. Be, be anxious for nothing and grateful for all things. Uh-huh. So I went home and I told my husband about my diagnosis. And I said to him, but get this. I heard be anxious for nothing and grateful for all things. And my husband said, yeah, it's from the Bible. Well, uh-huh. I hadn't read the Bible. So I went over the Bible And I opened it up, and sure enough, in black and white, Philippians 4, it says, be anxious for nothing, and then paraphrased, and grateful for all things. And at that Uh moment, my world stopped, because I had heard this so clearly before I ever read it. So at that moment, I realized it was commandment. So let's just do the the first part of that. The first part is we – go ahead. Be – be anxious for nothing. Be what for nothing? For all anxious. Be what for nothing? Anxious. Anxious? Yes. Be anxious Anxiety. for nothing. Right, okay. And and, and, and grateful. grateful for all. Right. Yes. So you saw that that diagnosis as a gift? Well, not at the moment. <laughs> Not at the moment. Um, I knew that this was a commandment, and I chose to obey, but I did not know how uh, I was going to obey. Uh-huh. So when I went to my oncologist the next day, she said, 
you have gone from having the worst type of breast cancer to the best type of breast cancer. And she said, had you gotten diagnosed 10 years earlier, we had nothing for you. Uh-huh. If you choose to have chemotherapy for a year and surgery, I know it's going to work. And at that moment, I understood the commandment. How I was not going to be anxious was through gratitude. I got to get chemotherapy because I live at a time that has the chemo. I didn't have to get chemo. I get to get chemo. And that changing that one word in everything in my life that I'm not excited about, I don't have to go to work. I get to go to get work to. because I have a it's, job. It, it's interesting because in the in the coaching work that I do, I say that all the time. I mean, I get to. What a shift it was right. when when actually a friend of mine told me that suggest that a long time ago and I went oh my god this is so amazing I get to do I get to do this rather than complaining about your job or what, whatever I get to, I get to work I get to do this right, it, it, right. it's amazing it, and just to say that just changes your attitude right and that's why I can say that going through breast cancer was the best year of my life because it changed every moment of my life for the better since then. Even, you know what, even sitting in, I used to call it my chemo spa because a spa is someplace you go to get better. Even sitting in my chemo spa, hooked up to chemotherapy, I was like, I get to have chemo. This is so cool because this is going to give me more days. What a great reframe, my chemo spa. I love that. Right. Wow. That's a great one. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get to go to my chemo spa. Yeah. And my my athletes would say, Miss Val, you don't have to put such a positive spin on it. I said, I'm not. I'm going uh-huh. to chemotherapy is gonna give me more days. This is awesome. Uh-huh. Right, and so you share that with your your athletes. Oh, absolutely! I even invited them when I told them. I they got a little serious. And they started looking at my chest, and I thought, what a great opportunity for them to feel what a malignant tumor feels like. So I uh-huh. invited them to feel the tumor, which was on the side outside of my right breast, and one by one, they came up a little timid but they were feeling this tumor and I swear the sirens were going off in my head that HR was going to come down and fire my butt on the spot and I thought <laughs> I didn't care it was too important of a teaching moment for them to be able to feel what this felt like uh-huh yeah how long ago was this Phil? uh four years ago uh-huh yeah so what's next for you? A lot. <laughs> A lot. I am re- I am retiring in two months uh-huh. um, because when I went through cancer, I also had this really strong realization that we all have an expiration date. I just don't know when mine is. And there's so much I want to do. And so I'm producing an urban nutcracker uh, for film, and I am – doing a lot of speaking engagements, and I am 
absolutely bound and determined to get a, a course on John Wooden at UCLA and any other university that would like me to have come in and start the course. Um, I'm involved with two movie productions based on our last season uh, competition. That was absolutely a miraculous finish. The, the best, the biggest comeback in sports happened last year at our national championship. Um, and we won the championship. So there's a, I got a lot on my plate, and I'm really excited about it. Well, you sound excited. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, you know, totally. Um, yeah, so a lot of times I ask my guests what they're inspired about. I think you already answered that. What, what, what I'm um, inspired about? Yeah. Yeah, what, what, are you, what inspires yeah, you right now? Inspired, I, I'm also inspired because... Um, I, I was very involved as an advocate this last year and still am for the gymnasts that are part of the sexual abuse case, that uh-huh. just horrible, dark time in our history. And, um, it's very, very evident to me how that all happened. And I'm really committed to figuring out a way to be able to speak to, not just coaches, but parent culture in our country for our children because they are under way too much stress. And we have got to redefine our definition of success for our children. It can't be all about winning because, because we only cared about winning and medals, which translates to money, is the reason why United States Gymnastics got themselves in the position they were in the last however many decades. It's the reason why that pedophile, Larry Nassar, was able to do what he did to over 400 women. It's because we cared more about money than people. And we look so, at so Val, this generation. Right. Yeah. We have to. The show is, is ending. Sorry. I ah, just, okay. It's ending. I was getting on my Unfortunately, okay. it's just... It goes so fast, and I want to thank you for being the guest on the show, on the Aspire Possibility yeah. Show. I think it was very thank you. fascinating, uh, very interesting, and I feel like I've learned a lot from hearing what you had to say, and I know our listeners will. And to all of you out there that are listening to this show, as you know, every week we have some amazing guests and in Next week, we're going to have another great guest. And in the meantime, journey on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. I'm going to go buy your book right now. Awesome. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to also um, call you on the number that you called in on, too. Let's continue this conversation. All right, great. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you. Uh Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you feel inspired to take the next step in your life. And if you haven't already, please take the time to visit my website at inspirepossibility.com and discover the various services and products we offer that could just very well change your life.